Hey, how many of you are like me? You're a T-Mobile customer. Raise your hand if you're a T-Mobile customer. Great. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this home where we have Wi-Fi. <laughs> and we're actually going to do the survey. Will you agree with me? We'll go do that. So all of the, the rest of you who don't have T-Mobile, T-Mobile is good for nothing. That's exactly it. So, and if you work for T-Mobile, God bless you. Fix it. Um, fix it. <laughs> hey, I'm Jeff. Uh, they let me teach here once in a while. I really... Uh, love Front Range, love everything Front Range is about. Was here last week with my wife and, and we, we gave our commitment and we're excited to see what God is doing, has done for the, for the first eight years and for the future of what's happening here at Front Range. And I love the fact that the one thing that's not changed, I was here on the very first Sunday over at Mesa Middle School and uh, was here last Sunday and the one thing that has never changed at Front Range is why we do church. We are here to help you build community. We're here to help you discover your purpose. We're here, here to help you grow in your faith. And so that's never changed. I doubt it ever will change. And I love that about Front Range. If you're new here, you have shown up at a fantastic place to get connected, to meet other people, to, to find out why you're on earth and, and, and how to grow in your faith. Hey, how many of you, are, do you love this season? I love this season. I do not like the cold. If I could get this season with 80 degree weather, it would be heaven, but I don't want to move to Florida either. So I want to find out real quick. I just want to take a quick survey. Going into the holiday season, how many of you would say Christmas is your favorite holiday in this season? Oh man, I love Christmas, you know, presents and a tree and somehow a fat old man in a red suit. I don't know how that came in. But Christmas, anybody in here, New Year's is your favorite of these holidays? Anyone at all? That's very, oh, good, good. New Year's is a big thing for me. Like, I love fireworks, and I love parties, and it's my birthday. And so, <laughs> actually, New Year's isn't that big a deal for me anymore. After you get about 50 or 60 of those birthdays done, they're not as exciting anymore. It's like, oh, look, I did a year. I didn't die. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> Out of the holidays, the holiday season... Uh, my favorite is Thanksgiving. It is my, my favorite. Christmas is about a tree, and, and New Year's is about parties, and Thanksgiving is about a table. And I love this picture, this, this feeling of a table. So many of my good memories are around a table, a Thanksgiving table. I remember when we were young, we would go see my grandpa and grandma. They lived in a little double-wide trailer in Carlinville, Illinois, a little town out in the sticks. And we would all go to this little trailer. And I, all of my cousins were there. I forget how many of them there were. There were probably 30, 40 of us or 20 or 10. As a little kid, it was a lot, right? We're yelling and we're, there's not one table. There's lots of tables because there's folding tables and card tables and big tables for the adults. And, and you can smell coming from the kitchen. My, my, my grandma's baking the best cherry pie that's ever been baked. Do not argue with me on this one, okay? And then, and then my Uncle Jim. I love my Uncle Jim. I had uncles and aunts, and they're all loud. All Surratts are loud. And my Uncle Jim was the biggest and the loudest, and he loved telling, he told dad jokes before dad jokes were a thing. Like, I remember one of his dad jokes. He said, if you're an American when you go into the bathroom, and you're an American when you come out of the bathroom, what are you in the bathroom? European, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, it was great because my Uncle Jim would tell that joke and he would laugh and laugh and laugh. And then for the rest of Thanksgiving, he would just at random inappropriate moments yell, European, and he'd be laughing and 
just around the table enjoying each other. I, I remember as a kid, sometimes we would stay home. We'd, I grew up here in Colorado over in, in Arvada and then in Lakewood, and, and we'd sit around the family table, the, the dining room table. The, we could only sit there at Thanksgiving. Do you, any of you have one of those tables? We could sit there once a year, and that's when the good china came out, right? And, and we had to be really careful with the good china, but we had a platter. In fact, my, I, I went and got it out of the kitchen this morning just to, to see it again. I was going to bring it, but you couldn't really see what I was talking about. There was a corner that sometime, I have no idea when, maybe in the 1950s, but a corner had broken off of that platter, and my mom had glued it on. You can still see where she glued it on. And every Thanksgiving, as we handed around the turkey on that platter, she'd say, don't hold that platter by the corner. It might break off. Now, it had not broken off in 20 years. It's been 60 years, it still hasn't broken off. But that, that picture of around that table, I remember the, the very last Thanksgiving we were with my mom and we knew that she was in the end stages of cancer and, and we knew that we would lose her before too long and we handed around that platter. My mom said, don't hold it by the corner. And so those memories of Thanksgiving around the table. One of the Thanksgivings I'll always remember was, was three years ago at Thanksgiving and um, our youngest grandson had been born about a month before that, and he had spent a month in the NICU down at Children's Hospital. And early on, we didn't know if he would ever be able to come home. And then a couple of days before Thanksgiving, they said, you know what, I think he's ready. We're going to send him home, and we'll never forget that first Thanksgiving three years ago. I built this table for our family. I think we have a picture of it. And it's uh, kind of an ugly table, and it's cracked, and I'm not a very good craftsman. But sitting around that table with the whole family, with little Kopi for the very first time, and that'll always be a huge memory for me. And coming up on Thursday, once again, most of the family, some of the family who we've rejected because they're going to see a different part of the family in another part of the country, <laughs> now, most of our family will be gathered right there around that table. The table is a holy place. The table is a place that things happen that don't happen any place else. I came across this this week, and it really, it really describes what a table means to me. It says, whether we've noticed or not, we've spent our days growing up around a table. The beloved handcrafted oak in a grandparent's dining room, the tailgate of a friend's pickup truck, or the plastic fold-out in a neighbor's garage on a hot summer day. Around the table, games are played, prayers are prayed, hands are held, tears are shed, food is eaten, life is lived. It's a beautiful picture of hospitality and celebration. In Scripture, we often find Jesus at the table surrounded by all sorts of people. Some good, some bad, some rich, some poor, all welcome. And that's God's kingdom. That is what the church can and should be. To live like Jesus is to pull up another chair, to invite another in, to cram tighter into the booth and scoot closer to make room for just one more. You know, much of Jesus' ministry, as that poem said, was spent around a table. Jesus' very first miracle was at a wedding in Cana as the guests sat around the wedding table and Jesus turned the water into wine so the party could continue. And Jesus, one of his earlier followers, Matthew, he said, Matthew, come and follow me. And Jesus said, why don't we go to my house and we'll sit around the table and I'll invite all my friends in and, and all the tax collectors and the sex workers all came and they gathered around the table and Jesus and his followers had a meal. Jesus is walking through town one day, and he sees a, a man named Zacchaeus up in a tree, so he could see him. Zacchaeus is an is a, is a outcast in that town. He's a tax collector, and Zacchaeus, and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go to your house. I want to sit at your table, and I want to enjoy lunch together with you, and so they sat at the table. 
The most important table in Jesus' ministry is illustrated in another picture that we have. Sherry and I, um, we had a bucket list opportunity this year. We, we went to Milan, and this is actually a picture I took of Da Vinci's Last Supper, and we saw it in person. It's a, a very moving experience and an incredible picture. But as I looked at that picture, I had a couple of questions. If you look, um, why is everybody on one side of the table? Like, that seems odd to me. Do any of you sit, all sit on the same side of the table for that? And then the other thing that I really wondered was, how come some of the guys don't have chairs? Like, do you see these guys on the end? Like, I can hear this conversation with Jesus and Peter, because Jesus sent Peter and John to set up the Last Supper and set up uh, Passover, and Peter with Jesus with Peter. Seriously, Peter, like, there's, there's 12 disciples, one of me, 13 guys, 13 chairs. Can we do that? Can we just get 13 chairs? I can imagine Jesus saying, all right, we'll pose for the picture, and then, Peter, you got to go get some more chairs. So I just said, that's just me. We won't tell any of that in the next service, but that was just kind of stuff. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I think about. Jesus' table. What is Jesus' table like? There's some things I think that we know about Jesus' table. The first thing we know about Jesus' table is that everyone is welcome at Jesus' table. In fact, Jesus had this habit of inviting really awkward people to the table. There's one time he's invited over to a religious leader's house. It's an upstanding guy in a small village, and every, everyone knew this man, and, and it was a big deal to get invited to his house for dinner. And so Jesus is at the table, and they're all sitting around, and all of a sudden, a prostitute who is known in that village comes in, and she, she, she uh, kneels down at Jesus' feet during dinner, and she begins to pour oil on his feet and to cry and to begin to dry his feet with her hair. And I could just hear someone at the table going, awkward. And the, the guy who invites him is like, who, who is this Jesus guy? He doesn't even realize who this woman is. And Jesus stops the whole dinner. And there's a verse. You've got to read this verse again because you may have missed it. Jesus takes an awkward situation and makes it unbelievably awkward because he stops and he turns and he faces the woman and he talks to the host who's behind him. And he says, here's the deal. This woman belongs at this table. And he basically invites her into the conversation. And he makes this table very awkward because everyone is welcome at Jesus' table. In fact, the biggest complaint that was made about Jesus during his ministry had to do with this idea that he welcomed others to his table. The, the Pharisees said in Luke chapter 15, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Well, the table for the Last Supper that we saw the picture of earlier, notice who's around that table. Thomas, who doubted Jesus, was invited to the table. Peter, who Jesus knew, was later going to deny that he even knew who Jesus was, was invited to the table. The most awkward invitation Jesus made is Judas who Jesus already knew, the, uh, I think it's John says that Jesus knew what was in Judas' heart and what he was going to do. Judas, his betrayer, was welcome at the table. Everyone's welcome at Jesus' table. Another thing we know about Jesus' table is that everyone's equal at his table. Now, how many of you are like me? How many of you grew up in your family at Thanksgiving? You had to sit at the kids' table. Anybody have to sit at the kids' table, a few of us? 
Yeah, and you, you know how it is. You got the gray table, it's all set, and it's the good china and the napkins. And then over here at the card table in the corner, like you got paper plates and stuff, you know, and hey, don't spill anything. And maybe there's a, there's, a, there's a tarp on the floor in case you do spill things. It's like the less than table. Do you remember when you got old enough that you got moved to the big people table? Like that was a big deal. And then to all your cousins, you're like, you go sit at the kids' table. Like, it was a big deal. Jesus' table, there is no kids' table. There's no separate table for the young or for the old or for the people who haven't followed long or the people who don't follow all at all. Jesus doesn't have a sinner's section and a saint section. He doesn't have a, 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 a rebel section and a church member section. Everyone at Jesus' table is equal. Like, um, in fact, uh, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes this letter, and he, he writes one of the most revolutionary things that is in the Bible. He says this, he says, in Christ Jesus, at, at Jesus' table, you were all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have closed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying when you accept Christ, when you are at his table and you accept his invitation, you're all the same. It doesn't matter your background. If Paul were writing this today, he might write, at Jesus' table, there are no Catholics, uh, uh, there are no Catholics or no Protestants. There are no Republicans, there are no Democrats. There are no Broncos fans, there's no Chiefs fans. <laughs> we're all the same at Jesus' table. One of the most beautiful pictures of equality at the table is in the Old Testament. It's kind of an obscure little story. So um, the second king of Israel was King David. The guy that was the king before him was King Saul. And King Saul's son was named Jonathan. Jonathan and David, who later became the king, became very, very close friends. And Jonathan asked David to make him a promise. Jonathan realized that David would be the successor to his father and not Jonathan. And he said, will you do me a favor? Will you show kindness to my family when you become king? And David made him a promise. Saul is later killed in battle. Jonathan's killed in that same battle. Most of Saul's family is eventually killed. David becomes king, and he asks, is there any relative left of Jonathan's that I might show kindness to? And they said, there's one son, his name's Mephibosheth. And with Mephibosheth was a child, his nurse was carrying him. They were, she was running, she tripped and fell, and his, his legs were crushed. And so Mephibosheth was never able to walk. He was, he was, he was crippled in their, in their vernacular, and, but he still was alive. And David said, bring Mephibosheth to me. I want to honor him. And he brought him in and he said, I want you to eat dinner at my table every night. Now, here's something that's not described in the Bible, but we can imagine it. If Mephibosheth could not walk with his legs, then he either had to learn to use some sort of crutch or he had to crawl on his arms, which means that his upper body would be well-developed. He would have muscles. He would be strong from the waist up. When he would sit at the king's table, you would not see his shriveled legs and feet. You would only see his upper body, which he would be a man above, among men at the king's table. You see, everyone was equal at David's table. The king and the crippled son of his friend Jonathan. And that's the picture of Jesus' table. If you're broken, if you're wounded, if you have scars, if you have a past, you sit as Jesus, at Jesus' table, not as a less than, not at the kids' table, not at the sinner's section. You sit with all of us at the table because everyone at Jesus' table is equal. 
The reason we're all equal at Jesus' table is because everyone at his table is broken. We're all broken. In fact, the, uh, John, who, who was one of Jesus' disciples, wrote this in a letter. He said, if we claim to be without sin, if we claim to not be broken, if we think we're better than the person next to us at Jesus' table, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're all broken at Jesus' table. One of the most beautiful pictures I've seen of this um, for a while, I was an interim pastor for a church over in Green Valley Ranch, and we were a portable church just like um, Front Range. And so we had a setup team, teardown team, but our setup team was unique. Our setup team was made up entirely of men who lived in a couple of halfway houses over in Green Valley Ranch in Aurora, halfway house where they're transitioning out of prison back into civilian life. And so they would come every Sunday, and they would help us set up and then help us tear down. One time, someone asked me, it was a good question, they said, hey, have we done background checks on our setup team? I said, I can do it right now for you. He's a felon, he's a felon, he's a felon, he's a felon. Everybody's a felon. And we had such community and connection because there was no pretending that you were, you were better than anybody else. They all knew each other's stuff. They all knew each other why they had gone to prison. And there was just a commonality. I loved hanging out with those men on Sunday mornings because we didn't have to pretend. No one had to. We knew who we were. We were all broken at Jesus' table. <clears throat> there is something freeing when we realize Jesus has invited us to his table and we're welcome, that we're all equal at that table. And that equality is not built on how great we are, it's built on how broken we are. Because that brings us to the most important part of Jesus' table, is everyone can be forgiven at Jesus' table. Jesus is willing to forgive whoever comes to the table. As Jesus sits at that Last Supper table, he knows that Peter will deny him. He knows that Judas will betray him. He knows that the disciples will abandon him, and yet he's willing to forgive them all. In fact, we know that he forgave Thomas for doubting him. We know that he forgave Peter for denying him. We know that he would have forgiven Judas, even Judas, for betraying him. Because again, his disciple John, who said, if we think that we are without sin, we're deceiving ourselves. In the very next verse, he says this, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, the thing about Jesus' table is it's, it's not a table of condemnation. It's not a table of shame. It's not a table where we're punished. Jesus' table is a table of forgiveness. When I was a kid growing up, just be thankful that you weren't my parent. Like, I was a pain. I was a real pain. I was in trouble a lot, okay? And one of my punishments as a kid is I would be sent away from the table, okay? If you can't, if you can't act right, Jeff, just go to your bedroom. So me and my bedroom got really well acquainted when I was about 9 or 10 years old. It was punishment. But when my punishment was over, when I was forgiven, I was invited back to the table. Jesus' table isn't a place of punishment. Jesus is a place, a table is a place of forgiveness. It's where he invites us to come back to the table. It's interesting. I moved back. I grew up in Colorado, moved away when I was about 12 or 13, and then moved back about 11 years ago. 
And when I moved back to Colorado, I, I moved back to a very different place. Those of you who have been here for many, many years know that our, our, the complexion of especially the Front Range has changed. And most of the people on the Front Range have moved here from, from elsewhere. Um, there are a few of us that are natives. There's quite a few really here at Front Range, but there's also quite a few of us who moved here. And what I discovered for a lot of people, and probably not for you, but for a lot of people who move to Colorado, we'll talk about what we moved here for. We moved here for a job. We moved here um, to, to ski or to ride or to hike. We, we moved here for relatives. Why did we move here? What we often don't want to talk about is what we moved away from. And what I discovered is a lot of people who moved here moved away from pain, moved away from hurt, moved away from brokenness, moved away from mistakes, moved away from sin. And we came to get away from our past. But Jesus offers something better than escape. He offers us something better than moving away from. He offers us at the table forgiveness and freedom. Is there a better time in the year than Thanksgiving to come to Jesus' table? And to say, Jesus, I'm broken. I, I have a past. I have things that I need healing from, things that I did, things that others have, have done to me. But I come to your table broken, and I come for forgiveness. What an awesome chance on the Sunday before Thanksgiving to come to Jesus' table, to ask to be forgiven, to be changed, to be cleaned again, and to be welcomed equal at his table. So as we finish, as we prepare our Thanksgiving meal this week, yesterday it was so fun. Sherry, went, Sherry and I went and we bought the, the turkey and, and we bought some of the sides that we're going to have. And I'm going to try to make a dessert that will turn out terrible because they always do. But it was so fun to buy the ingredients. We're preparing the meal. But as we prepare the meal, how about today? That, how about if we prepare the table? And maybe it's not your table. Maybe you're at mom and dad's or grandpa and grandma's or or someplace else, but let's prepare the table that we will be at at Thanksgiving. Who else should have a seat at your table? Is there somebody who is suffering that you should invite? Is there somebody who is who's overlooked that you could invite? Is there someone that is an outcast in your neighborhood, at work, in your community circle? that doesn't have a table, that you need to say, you know what, you're welcome at my table. Who might that be? Is there somebody who needs to know they're loved at your table? Maybe it's someone who feels guilty or maybe they feel shame. Maybe they've done things that, that you don't approve of or the family doesn't approve of, but they need to know in spite of anything that you've done, you are loved at our table in spite of mistakes that you've made, in spite of things that you've done, in spite of choices that you've made. You just have to know at our table, you're loved. Is there someone who needs to know they're forgiven at your table? And this is a hard one. But there may be somebody, and they may not come to literally to your table this year. But you need to forgive them. And they need to know they're forgiven. Maybe it's your mom or your dad. And I'm not saying that we whitewash any bad things that have happened, but maybe it's time that we forgive and let them know. 
Maybe there's a child that has wandered a long ways away from where you would have them. But they need to know you forgive them. One of the hardest ones, and everyone's situation is personal, I'm not telling you your situation. I'm just saying this is what God spoke to me, is there may be somebody here who, who needs to forgive an ex. Not because what they did was right, but because you too are broken. You too are at Jesus' table, undeserving of the forgiveness that he gives. And so you're willing to extend forgiveness to them in spite of. And to say, you know what, this year in this holiday, at this Thanksgiving table, even if they're not there, I forgive you. And you're loved. And you're welcome. I want to finish today with Jesus' invitation to his table. In a moment, we're going to come and we're going to take communion. And that represents the disciples around that table. That represents coming to Jesus' table and, 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 and accepting the offer that he made of forgiveness and cleansing and, and wholeness. And we're going to come and take the bread. We're going to come and take the juice and just say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm welcome at your table. But as we do that, I just want to read one more thing. And I want you to think about just for a minute, Jesus, as I approach the table today, literally here at church, as I approach a table, literally or figuratively this week at Thanksgiving, what do you want to do in my heart? What do you want to change in me? Because Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. That's Jesus' call today. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that we can come to your table today. Lord, I thank you, um, gosh, you welcome us, not because we're amazing, not because we've done any incredible thing, not because of anything in us, but because of who you are. Lord, I thank you that I am forgiven at your table. I thank you that I am equal at your table. Lord, I pray for somebody who is here today that they have not accepted your forgiveness. They've not accepted your invitation to the table. If that's you today, and maybe you've never, you've never taken that step toward Jesus, or it's been a long, long, long time, maybe just right where you're sitting, maybe you want to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I am sorry for my past. I'm sorry for the mistakes that I have made, the ways that I have let you down. Lord, I just, I need to be forgiven again. Lord, I need to feel that cleansing. I need to feel that wholeness. I need to feel that joy, that peace that comes from following you and being at your table. So Lord, I come and I just lay down my life. Here's my sin. Here's my mistakes. Here's my past. I ask that you forgive me. Lord, I pray that today will be a day that I'm welcomed at your table that, that will change my future. I just ask it in your name. Lord, I pray for each one of us today that you'll just speak to us over the next few minutes. Lord, do we need forgiveness? Do we need to give forgiveness? Lord, do we need to welcome someone into our lives, into our table, Lord? Lord, just speak clearly to us and give us wisdom. And Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.